This recording was made on Camaragal country, Sydney, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. So, I was hanging today. Hello, hi. <laughs> okay, so I was hanging today at the hanging bars. I was upside down looking at a tattoo on a bloke's elbow who was standing maybe five meters away from me, like right in front of me, kind of like it's hard to look at much else, um, being upside down. And I read the words and figured out that the words said, <laughs> who dares wins? Get it? No, nah, neither do I. <laughs> I don't know. It just like it tickled me a lot. I was like, dude, did Eddie Maguire pay you for that or something? That's amazing. Who Because you're not wrong. I don't disagree. Absolutely. I definitely don't disagree. Because I go by I go by the idea that I go by, I am acquainted best with the idea. I like most the idea. I'm thinking of ideas as beings here and thinking about the idea that I like the most, which is that if your dreams don't terrify you, they're not big enough. What are you even saying at this point, Rolls? The whole point is that it's who dares wins, guys. Do you dare? Do you dare to keep listening to this podcast when you could just double tap over to some other app, some other... Who are they? What other person? You know, like, they're just like me. They're just someone who's trying to normalize talking into a microphone that represents the whole world. Like, the whole world. (laughs) The whole rest of the world in this one black capsule in front of me. And, yeah, it sounds like a ginormous, dark, potentially terrifying entity to play with. Again, ideas as beings. But... I dare, guys, I dare, and that's the point. That's why you listen to self-talk, because you dare as well, (laughs) clearly, because you're still here. You know something else about Who Dares Wins guy, by the way? He had, like, a butt-length ponytail, and it's kind of like the thing that I mentioned last episode about people who tuck their ears into their caps. I don't know what it means, but it means something. There's a common denominator (laughs) out there amongst everyone that does it, and I'm trying to figure out what it is. Same goes for ponytails down to your lower back. I mean, it's kind of shock. It's still shocking, and and that's... You know that, bloke. (laughs) You know that that's shocking of you to have hair that long, and it's... You know, it's saying something... You know what? That's what it is. That's the common denominator, is someone identifying themselves as a non-standard unit. And doubling down with the Who Dares Wins tat, that's a guy I'd like to have a beer with and just be like, okay, dude, so tell me everything. (laughs) Uh, So, yep, guys, as you know, this is self-talk and you know why you're listening. For the facts, for the hard-hitting realities of the universe like the fake moon and the fact that at that class, that ponytail Who Dares Wins bloke was attending, I'm pretty sure Hemsey had like disguised himself or something and because someone kept staring at me and you know I know how good they are with like latex and fake faces and makeup and all the Hollywood stuff so I'm pretty sure that was Hemsey and it's just getting kind of crazy I can't describe the feeling of having Chris Hemsworth international symbol of masculinity like who's 
who's more of a symbol of being masculine than Chris Hemsworth? It's weird to have someone like that, you know, look to you for inspiration. And like, so you can imagine how I feel where I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm just a normal person. And Hemsy, you don't need to go to those crazy depths of, I don't know how much that costume cost, man, because you looked great. I believed that you were a 67-year-old woman, you know, having troubles with her shoulder. I believed it. It was, you're an amazing actor as well as having access to insane disguises. But dude, it's, it, I'm so flattered, but it's so not necessary. I'm just a normal guy. I'm so happy to just like answer any questions you might have or anything. Just, just like say hello if you're listening. I need to get into the meat uh, or the plant alternative meat. What do you guys think about plant meats? Like, it, I don't get it, actually. I don't get it because I've had one. They're very expensive, aside from I don't understand it economically, how people could eat them regularly. Um, I also don't understand where the appeal is. Actually, I kind of do. This is kind of... I suppose they're appealing to people who love meat, cannot fathom the idea of a meat-free day, no matter how much good it will do their health or the planet. Uh, and trying to convince them that, hey, it's actually that compromise that you're enlarging in your brain's idea of your future if you actually commit to yanking that head of yours out of the sand. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. There's things like this artificially unbelievable piece of um, edible technology that tastes like real meat and bleeds. But for someone like me, maybe you, I, like the, I don't... I don't miss meat. Like, I don't want that. I don't want my plants to pretend that they're bleeding. I don't need... (laughs) Isn't that crazy that what that feature of that food product is trying to achieve is simulation of dead flesh. Like, that's how overrepresented the carnivore population is. Uh, Maybe I don't know that. I mean, I should check with my other scientist friends because it's been like... I've scienced for a long time, but I guess I haven't done it much like today or, you know, last few years since like year 10. So I should probably check with actual scientists to find out whether carnivore is more overrepresented than herbivore. But surely we're all omnivore. Surely it's just one of those bell curves, just like everything else. You're not special. You're somewhere in the middle, okay? It's pretty unlikely that you're treading the extreme edges of that bell curve. Really? Did I just really spend two and a half minutes or whatever that just was, um, digressing about meat when I just chose that word out of thin air, even though this is an environment podcast and I don't eat much of it. Okay, so what I need to actually immediately uh, address, (laughs) address, if the parliament will please rise for the member for Crow's Nest, David, I'm not going to be in parliament, guys, there's no fucking way. I I don't think I could... Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to the myriad of reasons why I couldn't be a parliamentarian. But I do need to address something. It basically involves me on a bicycle on a road occupied by um, motorised vehicles and almost getting run over by one. <laughs> and it wasn't... I mean, it, they're a pretty isolated incident because if you're a good cyclist, you're so aware of every single moving part on any piece of road. But if you're a bad cyclist, you've got people in your blind spot you've got no idea about. You don't know what the upcoming traffic lights are. You haven't actually thought much. I tell myself, and actually, no, I remind myself that I'm not one of those cyclists. I've been doing it long enough to know that it can be a very safe thing if you are dialed in. And it just happens to be that your life will be on the line if you're not because you might get run over. On that car was a logo of a business and a phone number. <laughs> and it was in Comic Sans. 
Um, I think that's relevant. I was about to say that's probably not a relevant detail. I think it is. I think we both know the fact that the business name was in Comic Sans and a mobile number says PH, not MOB, PH, <laughs> not a landline, not a 1800. Nah, it's me mobile, all right? All lowercase, all Comic Sans. It was an old car. It almost ran me over. I knew that I wasn't in the wrong. And the name of that business was Beaches Balloons. You out there? <laughs> of course they're not out there. Um, so that's why I'm happy to just trash Beaches Balloons. You fucking lunatic. You almost... Anyway, neither here nor there. Because what I'm getting at is that wasn't the one and only time I saw that car. It was the first time and it was in a situation I... There's a lot less safe than I like to be when first observing a vehicle. Um, I mean, ideally I'm in one or the vehicle I'm observing is stationary. Not my favorite, not my favorite. (laughs) But then on a very regular cycling mission of mine between A to B, house and beach, this car, suddenly I noticed it parked outside a house (laughs) so now i have this opportunity of going well here's someone who okay were they just having a really bad day was it the worst day of their life how much slack can i cut this person how much love can i project at someone who i perceive so immediately and holistically as my mortal enemy because they threatened my mortality but i'm presented with the opportunity to do something So I want to know what you would do (laughs) because I've been riding back and forth past beaches, balloons, doing nothing but sending lots of bad thoughts in the direction of the car and the house it's outside of. I mean, presumably the occupant of that house owns that car. It's not like it's a contractor coming in to do regular balloon work. But the fact that beaches, balloons almost steamrolled me and the fact that their business is killing wildlife makes me feel so much less charitable than if that was hmm a surf rider van or something probably still wouldn't love it (laughs) if almost getting run over but if it was on behalf of an organization that i know does so much for the environment i'd be feeling much more inclined to forgive do you know what i'm saying But beaches, balloons, I've seen too many turtles with straws getting yanked out of their nose. And I've seen too many dead seals strung upside down, tangled up in discarded fishing nets and literally just like these lifeless sentinels upside down, not moving, just dead at the bottom of the sea in a line tethered to this discarded net you see stuff like that and it makes it pretty hard to to be thinking oh beaches balloons probably just had a really bad day and i should just let it go so i haven't done anything except now well think the bad thoughts and now tell you the rest of the internet in my tiny little black capsule in front of me god you're quite small for seven billion people anyway what what would you do well because there's a okay so here's um Here's a prank that I would... Okay, wow, am I going to say this? Shit. This wasn't in my little notes of things I've jotted down at random intervals to talk about to nobody slash 7 billion people. Uh, No, it needs to come out. needs to come out. Okay, ready? (laughs) Of course you're not ready. How could you possibly be ready? For the following piece of genius, the best prank you could ever pull on somebody. I came so close to doing this. So close. 
and I didn't. I didn't, and I suppose I'll have... (laughs) I don't think that I'm ruining my chances by telling my 17 listeners this prank because, well, A, there's only 17 of you, and B, I doubt that any of you are actually going to go out and do this, but you need to understand the level of... Inside a car tire valve is a removable core, and the core has the little pin on the top of it that you push down to let air out of the tire. You can actually take that whole core out, and the tire will deflate very, 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 very quickly. But that's not the prank. The prank is doing that to somebody who you know won't know a thing about it, and the reason you know they won't know a thing about it is because you yank that core out, And then you put the cap back on so they can't see any different and the tire just slowly deflates maybe over the course of 60 minutes and there's no damage done at this point absolutely no damage i mean you've cost somebody a valve core you could maybe be thoughtful and leave it there but that kind of ruins the um the subtlety of this prank and they cost like 30 cents each or something probably not even that so you do that and then if the spare tire is visible do it to the spare tire as well And think about the fact you've just caused no damage very quickly. Someone comes out, finds a tire flat and goes, bugger, flat tire, shit, okay. Well, I better change a tire. You know, I'm I'm 35 years old, but I don't know. I just thought maybe I'd be able to get through my whole life without doing a single piece of manual labor. And so I guess it's out with the manual. No one's here to help me. I've just got to change this tire. So they jack up the car, pull (laughs) pull the tire off. They put the spare back on take it off the jack and then what happens obviously straight down to the rim on the spare tire as well so now you've caused no damage but this person is scratching their head going man what the fuck is going on (laughs) this is why i haven't done this actually because i know how fucked up this is i know how what like an unbelievably twisted sadistic level of forethought this is but it's helped me i mean i'm not a violent person so Does that balance out that I just have super duper obscure mechanical retributionary thoughts instead of wanting to punch walls or other people or something? Who cares? I'm talking to future me here. And this is an important part of your intellectual history, future roles, that you need to remember, mate. Wake up. Turn the hearing aid up. Pay attention. Because if there's wheeled vehicles still around and you haven't done this and in the next 85 years you've made some enemies, well... Get a pen and paper. No, it won't be pen and paper, will it? Put the Do the notes app tap on your temple to pull the notes app up and just get it in the third eye screen thing that you got implanted. You know, fucking hell. Come on, you know how to do this. Double tap. Double tap. Yes, there it is. Okay. <laughs> pull out all the valve cores and make this person then need to call somebody up who's going to turn up and actually see what's happened. And then look at this person and think, wow. You must have really pissed somebody off. (laughs) And then somebody else has to tell them. Uh, I I just think, like, if you're still listening, it's because you appreciate the level of genius in that prank. And put it in the bank, guys. I'm not saying go out and do this. I, I haven't done it, and I had the idea. I met the idea. I didn't have it. It's not mine. This idea was floating in the ether. Certain combination of circumstances led to our introduction. And now... The idea exists within me <laughs> as a piece of genius, potentially one day in need of manifestation. And now I've seeded this idea into your brain and you can just have it in the bank. Just put it in the bank. No harm. No harm in knowing that if something happens like that, you've got it covered. 
You know, if something really ticks you off and you can do absolutely nothing about it, remember you can always do something. (laughs) Jesus. Did I say we were getting to the meat? I did, didn't I? Okay, well, here's today's thought. Ready? Okay, so it's not meat, but it is an idea that I encountered today while I was at work thinking about plastic. I was, I was away with the fairies, as I always am. It's so much fun, that job. I love making coffee for that job. Get into autopilot, get into a flow state, a tactile flow state, with the occasional bit of bants and, and humaning in amidst it all, but mainly just float off into whatever thought I feel will best be amplified by that kind of flow state atmosphere. And today it was plastic, as it kind of often is. And I was thinking about the plastic inside single-use coffee cups, but also plastic reusable cups. And what if we've got it wrong about plastic to the tune that heat is actually in ultra-slow motion dragging micro-micro-invisible microplastics off the film of that single-use cup or even out of the whole extruded shape form of that reusable cup? What if it's just pulling tiny little bits at a time that are imperceptible to however we would analyze this situation. Whatever my best science friends can see right now isn't quite enough to detect tiny bits of plastic going into us. Are we just become is this like phase 1 of becoming the robot cyborg is that we actually ingest the artificial material everyone's freaking out about getting you know automated prostheses and a chip in your brain and all this exogenous intrusive exterior technology what if like we're just consuming it and doing it to ourselves in slow motion um what i because we've gotten stuff wrong before you know us humans (laughs) we're not great like we're really good we're definitely really good mostly Some of us aren't really good. Most of us are really good, but we've made huge mistakes in the past. We marketed cigarettes as healthy (laughs) for a long time, which is horrible. And it's horrible that I'm laughing about it. But I'm laughing about how that was according to the best possible knowledge at the time, until obviously it wasn't. And think about right now, we're marketing, we've got a huge nutritional preference towards fat-free foods fat-free, you're 99% fat-free, you play. But we know that sugar is like a way bigger nutritional enemy than fat, but we still do that. So what if we've just got it wrong about plastic and we're telling ourselves, telling our suppliers who are telling their customers, who are telling their customers, don't worry about it, it's fine, it's inert. That's the safest thing about it is also the most dangerous. No, they phrase it differently, don't they, those PR people? Don't talk about the dangerous thing because the dangerous thing is actually what makes it so safe. It's so safe. How can it hurt you if it's inert? You know, and that was today's thought. I was just wondering that. And it's kind of a scary thought. And I'd just be, I guess the moral of the story is that use a glass one, use a metal one, use anything but plastic. That's kind of like 21st century catch. Shouldn't that kind of be the catchphrase of 2021? Use anything but plastic instead of like wash your hands or something meaningless. You know, it just, I just think 
like I would believe that if I read it in the history books of 2040. Does that make sense? If I was in 2040, no, maybe 2060, however long in the future it needs to be, because I think about the science in parentheses, inverted commas, bold, italics, the science, the facts of the 1960s, and they weren't all that great, were they? They weren't what they were cracked up to be compared to the facts that we've got now. So what's it going to look like in 2080? 2080, when we look back at what we were doing in 2021, and think, oh my God, can you believe that we we thought the answer to really thin plastic was thick plastic, and in fact, all of the plastic was actually plasticking us at plastic? I, I just, I believe it. I believe it, for sure. I need to, well, what I need to do is check in on Bling Empire, and obviously I finished it. Didn't take me that long in the end, and it got so crazy because genuinely heavy stuff started happening all these adopted people who i had very heavily criticized for being fucked up (laughs) god i'm horrible um it was revealed that two of them are adopted and they go on this co-journey to find their biological parents and it's kind of one of those examples of reality television being just like a car crash where you how can you look away from that but it's so perverse that i get to see it it's so wrong. How on earth is it that I get to see that level of intimacy from someone I don't know? And who cares? Because it was crazy seeing so much Botox prevent so many tears. It was so fascinating. God, like seeing these people tr- start crying, clearly getting emotional, but only from the urgency in their eyes, guys. That's the only giveaway because otherwise their face is just so full of like, well, plastic, I guess, or whatever fake shit it is, and they just can't move. And so there's tears running down the face of this person who's like got a permanent fucking smile going with the, the cheeks and the lips and everything. It's just like, God, what a what a roller coaster from start to finish Bling Empire was. I hope you've actually gone and watched it. I'll tell you one thing that was equally shocking as... Well, not equally shocking, kind of equally shocking, because I just can't stop thinking about what all this money could be being spent on, because I saw a museum get rented for a one-year-old's birthday for 200 adults, and there's at least like 50 staff at this event, and the chick is like, I want to build a legacy for him to get into the right preschools, and it's just like the, I just, I just, I just, I, I, I don't know. I still don't know. I didn't know while I was watching it and I still don't know. And one of the the chick that's hosting it, her arch nemesis dives into a ball pit that I think was a pretty reasonable move because who knew that a ball pit is only ever decorative? And anyway, the host chick's just furious. And so she's standing on stage all like pissed off and her husband, like bless him, is just like, happy as who cares he's just got all his rich mates around they're just like at another crazy event except this one's got a film crew and anyway they're holding their their one-year-old and these fireworks go off on stage and the one-year-old just loses it starts freaking out so understandably imagine being in a womb and then suddenly that happening oh and this poor baby and at this party of course aside from a decorative ball pit there's also a gucci claw machine think about the three words i just said because you know what the last two are you know what a claw machine is 
It's one of those arcade games where you inevitably lose a lot of money on what becomes a completely overpriced token trinket, uh, and you get to play the game of trying to line the claw up above a prize and then descend it and watch it grab it, and it either holds onto it or it doesn't. Well, this one was free to play, and it was full of Gucci handbags, because how normal is that? What do you mean you haven't heard of that before? A Gucci claw machine? You should have heard it rattle off this woman's tongue. So we have a ball pit, it's fully catered, we have a Gucci claw machine, blah, 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 blah. It's, it was just, oh, and that was such a minor part of the show, guys. That is like a 40-minute episode, and it was half a second, 12 frames of a Gucci claw machine in action. And then that's what stuck with me. And then that's all they got for however much that cost is half a second of screen time. Like, wow, Bling Empire, what a journey. I actually, I think, I actually want to cover something quite important. Are you ready? I'm going to take a sip of water. I'm going to try and reset for, oh God, you just don't believe me. And that's so fair enough because I started this podcast out by calling out Chris Hemsworth for spying on me. Um, but well, I'm serious. I'm serious about the fact that I'm about to be serious. Okay, ready? I was riding my bike today and I saw a sign and the sign said, crime doesn't pay as well as politics. Clearly an activist sign that someone's just stapled to a telegraph pole and is going to be removed pretty promptly. One of those core flute signs looked kind of like poskery handwritten but it really resonated because I've been just slowly coming to grips with some of the stuff that I'm learning about government and about corruption. And a lot of it is to do with two people whose links I'm going to put in this episode description, who you should follow and consume their media. One of them is Friendly Geordies on YouTube. The other one is Sean Doherty on Instagram. The way these people communicate is just so blunt, so direct, and just so undeniable about the level of environmental treason or just political malfeasance. That seems like a fancy word, and I think that might be the first time I've ever said it out loud. Let me just look up malfeasance and check that what I said was okay. Yeah, wrongdoing, especially by a public official. I nailed it. The amount of political malfeasance at a federal level, at a state level, hopefully not at a council level, but kind of probably, right? (laughs) God, that's dark. But this thing happened today in the news. So I don't know if you heard about Watergate, what it is. It's about how Barnaby Joyce spent $80 million of public money while he was Minister for Water on water, which was twice what it was valued at. And the company that he bought it from was started by Angus Taylor, parliamentary mate, and is set up in the Cayman Islands, whatever you think that means. That company, the agricultural group, owned the farm that had the dams on it that contained the water that Angus paid, that Barnaby paid $80 million to Angus's previous company for. Since then, the dam walls haven't been brought down, so we never even got the water. No matter what you think about how suspect it is that Barnaby Joyce spent $80 million of your money in what appears to be a pretty massive conflict of interest or insider trading or whatever the terminology is for it, we never even got the water because the dam walls haven't come down. And even if they do come down, as soon as the water leaves that private property, it's fair game for everyone to use and it's a total free-for-all for any other irrigator to come along. And it's so murky how much total volume of water is in that system. 
and there's a huge cotton farm just downstream for example of where it's contained so but the fact is that water was brought back to replenish the natural environment that was suffering from such brutal mismanagement for so long because how easy is it to disguise volumes of water with massively unquantifiable variables like hmm i don't know the rain or the drought, I guess, if that's more economically convenient to your plan. The fact remains that Barnaby Juice, Juicy Sausage Face Barnaby Joyce, excuse me, spent $80 million of public money to a company that his mate started who never gave us what we paid for. And according to the law, can't ever give us what we paid for, short of us actually distributing it by the truckload. So that's Barnaby Joyce's history. Today, Barnaby Joyce announced to Parliament vehemently that we should be using money from the Clean Energy Finance Corporation to invest in coal. And the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, if you can't deduce what it's for (laughs) from its name, it's for clean energy, renewable energy, something that doesn't involve burning millions and millions of litres of old dinosaurs. Yeah? (laughs) And Barnaby Barnaby Joyce's reason for this is that we're the biggest exporters of coal in the world and that we apparently, because of that, we need to leverage Australian coal against what people are willing to pay for it. Let's think about who those people are, by the way. They're India and China, maybe not China right now for the minute anyway, but they're countries who are very knowingly, willingly, voluminously contributing to climate change. So he wants to leverage public money against what other countries are willing to pay for our coal. Not dissimilar to the Watergate scandal. And it's kind of, it's such a good example of the classic attitude of the climate denier or I suppose what's been dubbed recently the climate delayer, which is, you know, oh, well, who knows what dirty coal they'll buy if they don't buy our scrumptious, nice, clean coal. You know, like, I mean, think about it and it's an absolutely masterful piece of political spin doctoring you almost have to admire the genius of all of this stuff of gaining control i'm just thinking about these things compared to the sign that i rode past today crime doesn't pay like politics and it's like if you're smart enough and you know the right people you can just get in there and game the system and I'm doing the same thing that I was doing with Beach's Balloons, where I'm really trying hard to grant benefit of the doubt in any way I possibly can before I jump to a conclusion about whether I agree with the morality of what's in front of me, what this person's behavior is. Do I think they're a good or a bad person? Because that's a huge analysis to make about somebody. You have to think about that shit. You can't just announce that someone is a bad person or a good person without actually analyzing their actions against against the worst possible set of circumstances that might have coerced them to do what you have decided is not right. So I'm trying to do that with our politicians. And it's not like I think they're intentionally bad people. I'm trying so hard to do that. But they're making, making it bloody difficult. A guy who brings a massive lump of coal into parliament and then laughs about it, it's hard to really... Same thing with the beaches, balloons, comic sands motherfucker like like it's hard to know maybe i should do the tire thing to him whoa whoa uh no i can't now i've just said it fuck
or who's listening roles, detective, inspector, nobody, I think I can do it. No, I probably can't do it because, well, no. No, I need to go back to what I was saying about Barnaby Joyce. I don't think he's intentionally a bad guy, intentionally destroying the earth, executing Mother Nature in the face, you know. And the reason I don't think that he's intentionally a bad person is because him doing all of that will advance Australia fair all the way to the to the bank. I don't think he's bad. I don't think I actually think he might think he's a great person. He wants to sell coal and make money for Australia. And how are we going to pay for them 100 billion dollar defense contracts without that fucking bank, right? Surely that's what Barnaby Joyce is thinking. I'm seriously, I'm being serious. Like I want to give this guy and all of his political mates the benefit of the doubt. I think they believe they're doing the right thing. They're just so close-minded economically. That is the only factor that counts is money. But they're still Australian, you know? At this stage, I think I'm just talking to myself maybe tomorrow if I have the bottle to listen back to this, guys. Um, they're still Australian. Okay, they they still live here, they st- meaning they still give a massive f about this country, and they're people who love and want to protect their home country. There's no way they don't feel love for Australia. So, what they're doing, I guess, is just hedging that the way they can love Australia the most is always going to be with money. It's sad, like that's what I think. That's what this is. I think it's sad that it. It makes me sad that they don't realise they could advance Australia fair by being part of a massive global shift in environmental connection slash consciousness awakening. Because no, that sounds useless compared to money, right? <laughs> I think, like, they're definitely crooks. They're definitely so twisted because they're lining their pockets while they do all of this. But with benefit of the doubt, maybe, Rolls, they actually believe what they're doing is priceless and they deserve it. May and maybe they do. Maybe I have no idea what volumes of money they're talking about and just how fragile our position geopolitically is. I'm not in parliament. I don't have access to portfolio numbers nor any experience in how to manage a country. But maybe that's just the extent of my ignorance. Maybe if they're choosing actually to sacrifice their morality in my opinion and like then commit to an afterlife of whatever my or your version of hell is, well, then you know blokes like this will be the ones that end up in there. So if they're sacrificing eternity, then fuck, like they should probably just lap, lap, lap it up here while they can. Yes? No? Is this, maybe this is just crazy talk. Because it is a huge shame about, obviously, all the collateral suffering and ecocide that they cause and stuff. Because otherwise you'd kind of just, otherwise you'd pity them. You'd pity them. You'd be watching them stuff their pockets thinking like, dude, you don't know what's about to happen. Like, that's... It's like the fat kid actually at a kid's party stuffing his face at the food table. And you want some food. So, like, you really do. But he's so fat. He's <laughs> he's so fat he's taking up the whole table. And he's just stuffing his face And so you just take a deep breath and you're watching him huff and puff and sweat and you just, ah, you sigh and you just think, all right, little man, big, big little man, 
all right, fella, get like, get it while you can. Do you know what I mean? Get it while you can, because you know, maybe because you know that outside that party, a team from like Weight Watchers and a film crew or something, a Black Mirror film crew are out there waiting for that kid and they're going to melt his brain into oblivion the second the party's over. And you'd be like, well, think about what you'd be like. You'd be like, dude, eat all you can. Eat all you can, brother. Dig in. I don't need any. It's all good. You have it all. Because in 20 minutes, you're going to be walking out the door, diving into a party bag for that killer python. And then a minute after that killer python, you're just going to wish you'd never been born. You're going to wish you had thought more and appreciated a bit better the party, you know? But I guess in that analogy, the cupcakes at the party would have been a naughty treat for me and everyone else in the world slash at the party was starving to death or something. So I can just kind of watch it and still have a comfortable life, even though I know it's wrong and like I won't pass out or anything, let alone die of starvation. But do you know what I mean? I'm just trying so hard to forgive, to forgive like the level of treason that I is just stacking up. It is stacking up, whether you want to point at the bushfires and think about how much science had gone into the fact that we needed to backburn before the fuel load got too high that that was impossible. That's environmental treason. Knowingly, it's environmental treason to be opening up new coal mines, commissioning new coal-fired power plants, threatening the energy industry that you will compete with them and build a new fossil fuel plant if they won't that happened in the hunter valley very recently if you don't know if you follow these people you'll understand where this train of thought of mine is building from sean doherty on instagram and friendly geordies on youtube puts the level of corruption into such an undeniable frame that you just ask yourself about that sign is literally is it that crime doesn't pay as well as politics because in politics you're above the law you can't get caught because you're making the law and maybe you're thinking right now like well if this was real if this was real mate hey chill out over there hipster if this was real i would have read about it in the news okay well what, what do you think news is what's your version of news do you read the telegraph or do you only watch the project? Or do you go on the ABC? Maybe you go on the ABC and that feels reasonable. And I actually agree. That's a reasonable thing to say. Like, wouldn't I have read about this on the ABC? You would have. But who do you think funds the ABC? Don't you think that's a flawed plan from the beginning to have the national broadcaster's budget determined by the government of the day? Doesn't that just like set up a problem for objectivity? <laughs> Jesus. Well, you know what, actually? The thing with Barnaby Joyce and why... I he set me off today is that there's also a video I've seen really recently of him and it's this innocuous looking 30 second grab from a parliamentary hallway and he's getting some vox pop interview little one-liner for whatever radio station and he literally looks at a reporter and raises his eyebrows and says well uh, you know you're probably going to be I'm probably going to be we're all probably going to be dead in 50 years so what does it matter Maybe he doesn't see what does it matter. But he does say that. He does. I'll put a link in there and you can watch it for yourself. It's horrifying. Because that's a man responsible for the country. And oh, I just, I'm going round in circles thinking like, well, does he love this country so much that he's willing to sell his soul to rescue it economically? Because he knows things about the world that I don't. He knows how quickly Australia could be 
jeopardized our security, our safety, our day-to-day everything. We could be on a knife edge here of you know, an invasion that I don't know about because that shit doesn't leave Parliament House. Maybe it doesn't even leave Cabinet. But maybe Barnaby just knows things and is now willing to sell his soul. And yeah, he's lining his pockets along the way, but he's just the fat kid with the cupcakes rolls. Oh, man. I think I might have actually gotten myself sectioned with this podcast. (laughs) I've just got my own words ringing from the last 40 minutes or whatever it's been. And I'm just thinking, wow, have I just like spill the beans on what a lunatic I actually am? Probably. I don't know, guys, but, you know, who dares wins? I guess, um, I guess I dare. <laughs> I have, I have the gall to, the gall? No, maybe I'm just happy to be a disciple of the guy with butt length hair and a tap that says who dares wins. And I dare to talk to myself in the future and actually, honestly, open my brain up to a microphone that represents 7 billion people, which is going to become goodness knows how many billion by the time I'm 114. What I, I need to actually do the maths when I say 85 years in the future, because I definitely got it wrong with this podcast. I definitely just got it wrong again, but 85 just feels like a good arbitrary number in the future because I've obviously cracked a ton. Obviously, I'm over 100. I've got my letter from the Queen. I'm still loving life. Uh, I should probably work out what that number is. Um... 29, come on, I should be able just to do this. I can't. 114, maybe that's right. Who cares? If you're out there, fella, I hope you've enjoyed it. And you just got a direct view into what I was thinking. What's the date? February 17th, 2021. So from here, I'm saying hello to the future. And I guess you listening to it, it'll be a hello from the past. And to the rest of you listening, um, hey, it's awesome that you do. Really, actually, that really is. It really is awesome that people actually do. Because I do see, like, there's a play counter. And I think, I don't know if it's 17 or not. It might be 18. There's a small number of people actually listening. And I genuinely am so stoked about that. Because I don't care about anything except actually having an accurate read on the thoughts I used to have. That just is definitely the most valuable thing that I can do for myself which makes it kind of the most valuable thing that I can do for the world, for the time being, anyway. Because it's, yeah, whatever. I don't know, it's, it's cool that you listen, but I'm going to keep doing it, whether you do or not. I was about, you know what I was about to do? I was about to say, oh, tell your mates or tag somebody. And I'm just like, it, that'd be cool if you did, but I'm going to keep doing it. So, you know, don't feel you have to. I'll love you for it if you do, but <laughs> you definitely don't have to. Anyway, that's it for today. You see that Beaches balloon car around you, watch the fuck out. <laughs> okay, bye.